Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Before I even jump in, I want you to know that Pastor Jeff mentioned my book and my workbook. They're at the back table if you haven't grabbed a copy. You know, we, we need to learn. We need to grow. And I wrote these books from um, 15 years of really pressing into God to find my freedom. And so it's my story. It's other people's stories. And I really believe it's a roadmap. It's a little bit of a guide to help you. There's questions at the end of every book. And as well, there's a guided journal. And I'm going to share more about that next week as well. But that guided journal is going to walk you through telling the parts of your story that are necessary. So there at the back table, there's a little envelope where you can Venmo. Just take what you need. Well, as you know, good morning, church. We are excited. We're about to jump into a pretty intense topic, mental health. And so before we get started, I wanted just to dive deep. I want to see if you can relate to a couple of these things. Anybody? I live alone, but still. How about this one? My love language is all of them. Get me a gift while you're running errands for me and then come home and rub my head for an hour while complimenting me the entire time and then do it again every day, forever. My husband knows that one. How about this one? I asked my six-year-old if she was a tough cookie and she said no, because cookies crumble. Now, I have a life coach. <laughs> the anxious urge to say, no worries, either way, when you are actually worrying both ways, plus a secret third way. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a joke in my family. Who's the funniest person? It's actually not me. I've, I've been voted out. It is my husband. It is Anna. It is Bella. I get last place. So the reality is I put those up there because we all need to have a, a quick laugh before we jump in today, because this is my heartbeat. For those of you who do not know me, my name's Nicole, and I have been a professional Christian counselor for 15 years. And so it's my honor to speak to my family today, to talk to you about something that's so dear to my heart. I count what I get to do as one of the holiest, highest callings, to sit with people who are humble enough, hungry enough, hurting enough to say, can you help me? And the reality is that for all of my years, I'm 51, all of my years, I have been a student myself, a student from many incredible pastors. I'm an avid reader. I can't tell you how many books I've read. I love listening to sermons and podcasts. And what I do is I take all of this information and I shape it into a way that becomes a roadmap for people to find their healing, to find hope when everything feels hopeless. And so when I stand up here before you today, I'm not the expert, but I am gleaning from incredible people that have gone before us, willing to put their time and energy into books and resources as well, always evolving. And so today I am praying that as I talk with you, your eyes, your ears, your hearts would be open and God might speak something directly to you. 
Let's pray, and we'll jump in. Father God, you are faithful, and you are good, and this hour belongs to you. So do what you want to do. Open ears, open hearts, I pray. Soft hearts, God. We love you. Amen. God is a God of order. And in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. He created plants, the sun, the moon, the stars. He created everything. And then he created man. And the word of God tells us that so God created man in his image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And this is where we need to start. You and I are the only things on the planet that are created in the image of God. Not an animal, not a plant. You and me. And God gave us the unique capability to create because we have the mind of God. We have what's called an imagination. An imagination is the ability to think of something before it is. We declare things that aren't yet as if they're going to be. This is what happens in our world. Just think about the iPhone. There was a time in my life where I could not communicate effortlessly with every human I know. And God walked with the man and the woman in the garden, and it was good. It was beautiful. And so how did we, as a human race, get from that order to this chaos that we're walking in today? All you need to do is turn on the news or look at your phones, and you are very aware that we are living in a world that is in crisis. Everywhere you look, there's violence, there's perversion, there's death, and a lot of it is not only happening, it's applauded. Well, the statistics are sobering. I'll start at 2020. The suicide attempts in adolescent girls increased by 50% from 2019. And while males account for 49% of our population, they were 80% of 2020 suicides. In 2021, the American Academy of Pediatrics declared a state of emergency for mental health. In 2022, suicide was the fourth leading cause of death worldwide. It was the second leading cause of death in adolescence. Over 33% of adults in the United States suffered from mental health conditions last year. That is 75 million adults in our country. If we add these statistics with abortion, there are on estimate 880,000 abortions committed every year. From 1973 to 2020, over 63 million children have been aborted. What does this mean? This means that every 40 seconds on earth, a person takes their own life. Every 34 seconds, someone takes the life of a child. We are at war. It is a war against life, and it is a war against living. And today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how we have been set up by a very real enemy, and I will teach you how he operates with you and with me. You see, we have to go back to the beginning. God created man and woman, and he walked with them, and it was good, and it was beautiful. And then something happened. 
A new player was introduced into this story. So we look at Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals, and he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? Did God really say? And it was here, right here, where doubt entered into our stories. We have to remember our enemy when we're talking about mental health. John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes only, only to steal, to kill, to destroy. And that Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. Because Satan, he is the father of lies. From the very beginning, his only plan was to create in you a mindset that would make you cause disbelief, and doubt for God. So how is he going to craft these lies? How does he do this? How is he so alive and active as the ruler of this world right now? What's happening? Well, his, he's tricky and he's smart and he knows the best way to get us is to start when we're the most vulnerable, when we're in our mother's womb and when we're born, when we are children. And he knows that if he can craft lies into our being before we even know if it is right or it's wrong in those first two years of our life, then he knows the war is half won. Because being a baby requires that you rely on someone else for your core needs. Everything you need, you are at the disposal of a human. If they're going to do good for you or do harm, the body needs food needs sleep. It needs water. And if a baby cries and you have a good caregiver, they're right there saying, oh my gosh, let me take care of you and love you. And you have needs of the soul. You have a longing to be loved and to be secure. And if you have good caregivers in those first two years of your life, you are wrapped up in love and security. But that doesn't always happen. And this is the setup. You and I entered into the world completely vulnerable. And as we grow, our tender hearts need to be seen, safe, soothed, and secure. It's not up for debate. In order to be mentally well later on in life, we needed all these things in the beginning. When these four needs are met, we have what's called secure attachment. We feel secure and attached in our world. And we are much more likely to feel loved and secure if we had that from our families. It's a good start. But how many of you know there are no perfect parents in this room? We have all been unseen, unsafe, not soothed, and not secure at some point. And if it wasn't your ultimate caregivers, maybe it was a teacher, an uncle, a family member. And it is here where harm has entered into our story. And harm will inevitably shape the way that we live and the way that we love. Harm starts to shape you. And Satan is like, yes, I'm so excited. I've got her and I've got him. Harm is called trauma might be a big, a big word 
in our culture today because a lot of people, in fact, I would say every person on the planet has endured trauma in the last three years, if not beyond that. You could have small t trauma, which is unintentional. This means your parents didn't intend to harm you on different situations, but still they failed you. And there's capital T trauma. This is abuse, neglect. All trauma breaks trust. When you were a child, maybe you were a young little girl, and let's say you're five, and you go out on the playground, and while you're on the playground playing with your best friends, one of your best friends turns to you and says, hey, you look weird. You look weird. In fact, you look ugly. What's wrong with your nose? What's wrong with your ears? Hey, everybody, come over and look at Susie. And everybody comes and starts laughing at Susie. Now, that's, that's trauma to a five-year-old heart. And so Susie goes home, and she is just hurting inside. And mom is busy cooking dinner, taking care of the other kids. And dad, he's at work. He comes in late. He's tired. And they don't know that Susie has been through this trauma. They don't know what's happened to her little heart. And every time she tries to kind of give a plea for, I'm, I'm hurting, they don't have time, they don't have time, and Susie goes to bed. And Susie never talks about this. That's, that's small T trauma. Now, capital T trauma is when Susie comes home and goes to bed, but somebody comes into her bedroom at night. And nobody knows. There is no way that doesn't hold trauma and there is no story that doesn't hold suffering. There is no life without pain or loss. And the open door that the enemy uses in our life will be those emotional wounds. That is the open door. When we were not seen, saved, safe, soothed, or secure, then the enemy is right there just waiting to whisper a lie into our souls. And he does it so well. Because his only agenda is to get you to doubt God and to attach to something other than God. Because you didn't know how to attach to God when you're a little girl or a little boy if you had no secure attachment with parents. It's so difficult. So today, I, I want to be here with you in this moment, and I just want to ask you a question. How are you? How are you? I mean, really, how are you when you're home, alone? Do you have peace? Do you feel joy? Are you scared? Are there things in your life that you don't want anybody to know about? Things that you look at on a screen? Things you drink? Things you eat? If we're not free and fearless, if I'm not free and fearless, then I have to ask why. We have to ask ourselves why. But today, the point is not if you are free or not, but the reality is if you're not, sorry, the, the point is we need to identify the root You know, I'm not here to say, tell me about your symptoms. You have angry outbursts, deep sadness. You worry, anxiety, sleeplessness. You can't eat. 
You feel sick, you get migraines, you have headaches. Those are symptoms. And I'm not here to talk about the behavior, the pornography, the addictions, the things you eat, and the times you don't eat. What I'm here to ask you today is what is the root? The root will have been born in a time before you could even speak. The root comes because this is the way that the enemy works. He's going to use broken people in your life to set you up to fail, to stay stuck. And you know, we can't help a hurting world if we ourselves are stuck in our hurt. This is a call to the church. This is the call, a call to all of us in this room because we cannot help everyone, but here in this church, we can help each other. We can start with ourselves. And today that's the mandate I'm going to call you out on. I'm going to say, start with yourself. How am I doing? What's going on in my heart? Why do I do what I do? And what is it that I'm doing? We're all on this journey, and I am no different. I'm so privileged and honored to get to sit across from people who are hurting, because the reality is they teach me. I'm right there with them. I'm reading the books. I'm studying. I'm pressing in to the quiet place with God when my soul is not at rest. There's not a human in this room that doesn't feel this. And here's what I know. There have been three types of experiences that we have all had in our life. And these experiences are what I'm going to share with you today. And all these experiences... Experiences create a rupture in trust. It's happened to every single one of us at one point or another. And so before I start, let me just share and remind us about our enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So let's just remember as we step into this part of the um, talk today, that you would realize that your enemy is never going to be a person. But the enemy will always use a person. Satan's only role is to get you to disbelieve God and believe a lie. And remember, he starts when we're the most vulnerable, when we're children. I'm grateful to the work of so many counselors, especially what I'm going to share with you today from Dan Allender. He's one of my favorite leaders of the wounded heart to healing and to hope. The first experience is called the orphan. The orphan has experienced deep betrayal of some kind. Betrayal is simply, I needed somebody to be something for me, and they weren't. And in fact, instead of coming through, they harmed me. The deepest betrayal is that of sexual, emotional, physical, spiritual abuse. 
And when that happens, you have what's called an orphan spirit. You're meant to trust people. You're meant to trust, actually, God. But when something happens to you and you are betrayed and you are abandoned and you are left without that care and you are not seen and you are not safe, the orphan says, I'm alone. Nobody's coming for me. Nobody is safe. I'm not safe. And the trauma of being an orphan steals stability. And they're left floundering. Who, who do I go to if I can't go to my mom? Who do I go to if I can't go to my dad? And the strategy of an orphan is to self-protect. It's all on me. I've got to take care of myself. Nobody is coming to help me. And what the orphan really longs for is to be cared for and safe and protected. The outcast, number two, has experienced deep rejection. See, what happens is when we become an orphan, what we long for is to be in community. We long for people. We long for a group that will come and say, I know your parents weren't awesome, but come be a part of my group. Except they kick you out. They don't accept you. You feel an outcast, a stranger. You're not wanted. You're not accepted. You experience it in junior high. You experience it in high school. You experience it at church. We experience this all the time. I'm not accepted. I'm not in. I'm on the outside. And the outcast believes I'm powerless. Why? Because they keep trying. They keep trying to find their people. They keep trying to get into the group to find that connection. And it can go on for a long time until they finally just say, forget it. Obviously, I'm powerless. I can do nothing about this. Nobody wants me. I am alone. The struggle here is that the deepest desire, you have to betray yourself now. You're meant to be in community. You're meant to be loved by people. And when people don't know how and they hurt you, inevitably what you're going to do is push them away. But you're denying the very existence of why you live. And so the struggles lead to intense anger, defiance. Oh, really? You're going to do that to me? Well, then I don't care, and I will reject the culture wherever I am. Do we see this? Do we see this in our world today? People are crying out to belong. And if the people of God aren't quick to show us where to belong, the enemy will. And we are seeing this across our earth right now. One in four teenagers confesses to be part of the LGBTQ community. Why? Because they want a place to belong. They want love. They've been orphaned. They've been the outcast. And they've been set up. Because it's not going to work. A big thing born in the outcast heart is addictions. Because everybody wants to feel alive. And if people of God, if, if they're not finding it with God, they're going to find it somewhere else. 
Pornography is great for that. You will feel alive. Believe me, I counsel many men. Pornography will do just that, give you a quick fix of being alive, feeling passion. Food, alcohol, drugs, cleaning your house, being awesome at church. You can, you can over-spiritualize your life in a way that's just still an addiction. Dan Allender says that addictions are assassins of hope. We hire the assassin to relieve us of our dreams that we fear they will never come true. It's just a lot more painful to stay alive than it is to give up and escape. All the outcast longs for is to be chosen, to be desired, to be a delight. The third person that we can relate to is the widow or the widower. This is a really powerful thing to understand. The orphan and the outcast have one thing in common, intense loss. And when you have suffered rejection and abandonment, what happens is your widow part of you or your widower part of you needs to grieve. But that's a lot of work. And that's painful. And rather than grieve, a widow or a widower says, forget it. My dreams are dead. I have no hope for my future. And a widow just shrivels up with all that grief of the orphan and the outcast inside of her. She says, I will never love again. I give up. I'll just make it work for my little kingdom of one. I will be all about me because it's too painful for me to face everything I've lost. I don't know if I could stand here and do that. So I'm just going to carry on with life and bury my grief and bury my dreams and bury my hopes. The widow longs to have purpose, to build something beyond herself. Here's the truth. Where your mind stays. If you are an orphan and your mind stays as I'm an orphan, your trust will be in the orphan. Wherever your mind stays, your trust is. If you are the outcast and you believe it, where your mind stays, your trust is. It's in that wounded soul inside of you. And this is the setup because all betrayal does is break attachment. It breaks attachment. This is the perfect storm. We're all longing for things that we can't trust we're ever going to get. We don't trust people. And then we don't trust God. And this is the plan. Whose voice is leading you in your stories? We all have stories. We all have experiences. Our experiences are our stories. But what is the story that you're telling and what's, whose voice is leading you in the story? Is it the orphan's voice? Is it the outcast's voice? Is it the widow's voice? The orphan will say, it's all on me. I have to protect myself. I'm all alone and I trust no one. Deep fragmentation takes place and they're set up to self-protect and rely on themselves but they long for connection. They long for more. 
Well, then the outcast is right there saying, well, keep trying, keep trying, but it's never going to happen. It's just not going to happen. People are going to fail you. You're such a fool. Why do you keep wanting this? What's wrong with you? They say, well, pornography will just have to do. Getting drunk on a Friday night is just going to have to do. Or slowly killing my desires for anything else, I will ease out. We dissociate. Why? Because checking out gives us a different reality than the one we're in. And the one we're in is so hard to face. It's so painful to face. I don't belong. It's happened to me. And all the while, the widow stays buried, unwilling to face the grief and the weight. It's too much. And she resigns to build her kingdom of one. This is so tragic. Because if we don't let Jesus, Jesus, speak to our wounded soul, then the orphan and the outcast parts of us will. You understand it's a part of you. Everything you've been through is part of you. You can't separate yourself from your experiences. They're, they're in you. The body holds the score of everything you've been through, and it remembers. So you can run away. You can numb your pain all you want, but the pain is still there. It's still in you, and it's still speaking to you. I can only share this with you because I've been here. I grew up in a dysfunctional home. I've shared with you that life led me down a path of marrying a man that was abusive. Had a child, got divorced, was on my own, was on my own, was on my own. That orphan alive and well. Until God met me, walked me through some healing, deep healing for two years with a therapist, incredible man of God loved me well, led me out of the wilderness. And I would say that I was mostly healed from my orphan and my outcast and my widow. And I had grieved the death of that marriage. Four years later, I would meet my current husband, and I was mostly healed. And life was good. I mean, we had a good life. We love God. We love people. We live authentic. <laughs> you know, this is what we did. Until 2020, when the story you never saw coming comes. And things happen that you never thought would happen. And your teenage daughter can't get out of bed. And she doesn't want to live. She'd been to doctors and counselors and psychiatrists. And I'm the counselor. And I can't help my own child. And her orphan part was screaming being abandoned by her father, and her outcast heart was screaming, and she's just a teenager. But my orphan part and my outcast part joined her. So now you got two people drowning in one house. It was not pretty. I behaved badly. I cried a lot. I didn't know how to help myself, my daughter. But I was a leader in the church. So you got to show up. So I kept showing up. And I remember meeting with a counselor that I had, and he sat with me, and he said, um, Wow, Nicole, 
And I could just see the emotion. I'm like, oh my gosh. This was hard, right? He's like, hard? You probably shouldn't have been doing that at that point. It would have been good for you to take a break. And I look back on that season, and after that, I, I went off with the Lord. I'll tell you what I did. I grieved my heart out. I actually called my pastor. I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you remember. I couldn't speak. He's trying to talk to me. I was just weeping, weeping over the grief of what we had lost, all the hopes that we had for her, for us, for our life. But grieving broke some of that orphan part of me open. Said, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Because here's the truth. We don't need to be fixed. We need to be healed. I didn't need to be fixed. I think good people tried to help me be fixed. And my daughter didn't need to be fixed. I know I tried to fix her. You know, there's a, there's a process that comes with healing. It's not quick. And we cannot heal ourselves. And it is for this reason that Jesus came. Where Satan has a setup, Jesus has a setup. God has a setup for you. And you may not understand it yet, but I'm hoping today you can step into believing a person in front of you who's walked this out. Jesus became the orphan. He left his father and came to earth. Jesus became the outcast. When he needed them most, his deepest, dearest friends fell asleep. On the night of his death, they all left. They ran. And his closest one even denied knowing him. Betrayal? Abandonment? Jesus knows this, and he chose this. Understand, he chose this. Why would he do this? The widower? Oh, Jesus knows loss. He knew looking out over the hills of Jerusalem that many of them would die and not receive the truth he was giving. The people he loved would reject him. They would nail him to the cross. The people he loved most, they would die without knowing the living God. And he wept. The word of God tells us so clearly Jesus came for our wounds. He came for our brokenness. He came to heal us, to be with us. God with us, Emmanuel. He didn't come to fix you and tell you, don't do this and do this and don't do this. He did not come for that. He came because in the garden, there was a serpent that caused Eve and Adam to doubt That God really was as good as he was. He knew we were going to need a way through this chaos. John 14 tells us, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. He is the way. He is the truth, 
and he is the life. And most of our lives, before we could even walk or talk, our brains were not even formed yet, but there was a belief birthed inside of us. I'm alone, I'm powerless, and I don't have any dreams. And Satan is whispering all day long in our adult lives when we feel rejected and alone and abandoned again. Did God really say? Did God really say he'd take care of you? He'd be with you? He'd provide for you? He'd love you? He'd heal you? Did God really say? And instead of hearing God, our experiences speak. Everything we've been through speaks, and we let it. We let our truth be determined by our experiences and how we feel. And we hide. I know some of your stories in here, but I don't know everybody's. And we hide the best in church. Because we think, oh gosh, if they knew what I did last night. Nope. I'm not telling them. I'm not telling anybody. There's a dichotomy of the soul here. You're stuck. What you really want is going to become when you tell the truth, when you expose what you believe, when you expose what you do. And Jesus is saying, I want to redeem this story. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He's like, come, I will walk with you. When you go through this, I will be with you because I am the way. There's no other way. I am the way. Not a good counselor. She's not going to save you. Not a great pastor. He's not going to save you. Not even an incredible husband. He's not going to save you. I am the way. And I am the truth. There's no truth but his truth. And today, we have to get really clear on that for our own health. He says, I am life. He says, rivers of living water are going to flow through you when you trust me. The opposite of this is go ahead, run to your broken cisterns, those pots that hold no water. And you're going to try to drink from that. You're going to be thirsty all day long. So it's here. We have to be willing to address the chaos and the lies of our own lives, of our own self. Not not anybody else but me. And this is going to require deep curiosity and compassion as you figure out, why have I done what I've done? Why am I here? How did I get here? We need a new voice. And so this is what God says to the orphan, to the outcast, to the widow, to me, (laughs) to you. He says, but you are a chosen, chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart at God's devoted ones. He says, I, no, 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 no. I have an identity for you. It's royalty. You're a princess. You're a king. John 14 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. You're never alone. That orphan 
is no longer necessary. You can say thank you for helping me survive my life. But now I need to move on to something new. I have a father now. Jesus came to give us himself. Hebrews 12 tells us, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That widow, she's going to find out there's a much bigger kingdom that she is called to be a part of. And so we're going to pause here. Pause. It's one of my favorite words these days. (laughs) Don't react. Don't do anything. Just pause. Are the lies of the orphan, the outcast, and the widow active in your life? Do you know the stories that shape your core beliefs? Do you know your core beliefs? Your core beliefs are what you say to yourself all the time. When I was walking through that with my daughter, I would say out loud, it's all on me to my husband. It's all on me. He's like, well, I'm here. Like, I know, but you're not really helping. Why did I say that? Because he's actually amazing. Because that part of me was feeling so scared. Am I going to be an orphan again? And that self-protection reared its head. But what about you? Do you feel alone? Do you often feel powerless? Like, I'm stuck here. I can't do anything. Have you buried your dreams and your desires? Jesus is beckoning you and me to tell him our stories. You have to tell him. And you might think, why? Why would I need to tell God my stories or Jesus? Why would I need to tell him my stories? Because he wants to take you back to the place where it all started. He wants to take you back to the garden where he walked with you intimately. It was his plan all along. Where your parents failed you with secure attachment, God says, I made a way for you to attach to me. I'm your lifeline. Secure attachment is available to us, every orphan, every outcast, every widow. Because when we are vulnerable with God, it opens the door to intimacy. Intimacy is into me, see. He says, tell me. God, he wants to know how you are. Really, how are you? It's the God of heaven. He's saying, I see you. I want to care for you. I want to meet you where you're at. I want to love you. We all need this. I need this. I'm challenging you to get alone with God. Where have I been, the orphan, God? What are my stories? Where have I been, the outcast and the stranger? Where have I been, the widow? I'm too afraid to grieve. I'm too afraid to face this, God. Because the world needs us healed. The world needs us whole. We're in church. You're here. So we got to do this work. 
And if you're wondering, well, how do I even do this? How do I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you next week. I'll tell you the strategies, what it looks like, how to do this. But it starts today. You can connect and attach your hearts to his right now. God, I'm ready for you to heal all of me, every part of me. Jesus, I want to trust you. We just start there. So I'm going to open up the altar. You're not going to talk to me. You're not going to talk to anybody. You're going to talk to God. You're going to talk to Jesus. And he says, tell me. And if you don't have words, let your tears be your story. Let your tears be what you bring to the king because he wants to heal you. But it starts with you telling the truth. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for all of us because I've tasted it. I have suffered and I have been held. And he will do that for you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.